We have one task, to proclaim the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. The whole church must be mobilized to bring the whole gospel to the whole world. This is our calling. These are our orders. Hello and welcome to the Lausanne Conversation podcast. My name is Christian Lande and uh, today we'll be looking at church planting uh, and specifically at uh, how do we mobilize and train church planters and other pioneers for the growing harvest in Europe. And uh, with us we have uh, uh, someone I would call a, an expert on the topic who has at least been working on it for many, many, many years. Even Oglan, very welcome. Thank you. Yeah. It's great to have you here. And um, uh, first of all, we would like to get to know you and your story a little bit. And, uh, and through that, I think also a bit of church planting. 30 years ago, you and your wife set out on quite an adventure. I guess you didn't know what was waiting, but uh, you, you planted a church in one of the suburbs of Kristiansand, Norway. Uh, why did you why did you do, start on that uh, journey? You know, sometimes it's not always about you. It's about the culture you grew up in. Mm -hmm. And in Christensen, our city, there was a culture of church planting. The Christensen Free Church, the main church in the city, there was planting like five, six churches out of that. And mm -hmm. so I grew up in a church plant that I come to faith in. And then there was many stories in my denomination. So when I was 24 years, I went out with newly married with my wife planting the first church. And I will say it was not, while I had some entrepreneurial skills, but I grew up in a culture where people was talking about church planting. So the stories convened me and my personality to say, well, I can do this. And then I had some people who really believed in me. So I was sent out as a church planter from the kind of church plant, to plant in a suburb three kilometers away from the mother church. And I was strongly believed in by the senior pastor in the local church. Thank you. That's, there's a lot of interesting things in, the, in that answer. Uh, we'll bring with us a lot of that uh, for the coming questions. But, but first of all, what, what did God do uh, as you went on to plant that church? Well, we saw a church emerge in the suburbs. And I think, uh, honestly, again, I had luckily people around me <laughs> i had a senior pastor in the church who said to to me if you succeed we love you if you don't succeed we love you even more just do it <laughs> and then i had people around me who had planted churches who had a lot of experience yeah. so moving out I, I did some of the things that was learned in my denomination in church planting already mm -hmm. in the 70s 80s and 90s so we had a strong core team. We had a clear vision of planting in the suburb. We knew what model we wanted to plant it. And also we had a clear expectation and commitment from the core team that was planting. So we did some healthy thing in the beginning. That was yeah, quite yeah. good. Huh, great. And, and what mistakes did you learn from uh, when you look back? As I said, uh, I think... Uh, in some way, on church planting, I think we we did quite well. We did the right thing, though we I didn't know about it, but the people around me know what I should do. So I yeah. listened to them and followed them. But I think the most, we, we got three kids 
during the church planting <laughs> journey <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. So newly married, three kids planting churches. So I think it was more my personal journey of doing the wrong priorities, uh, yeah. not investing too much in our marriages. So we get some challenge in, in our marriages in the midst of the church plant. Mm -hmm. And that make us to a journey where we stopped and we took a sabbatical and, and we developed that. And I think that's, I think sometimes it's doing the right thing in the planting, but it's also doing the right thing personally in your own life and prioritize mm -hmm. the right thing. I think that was more than my challenge. Hmm. Hmm. I'm an activist. So yeah. if you are an activist, you often like to do a lot. Yeah, I, I reckon I can see myself in that. And I, I, I assume COVID-19 has been a challenging time for you as an activist. Yeah, I find other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, you know, since I met you for the first time, I think it's 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 getting close to 20 years ago. Uh, I think one of the things I, I, I noticed is that, you know, you planted a church, but you're also very, very passionate about training others and investing in others. And one of one of the outcomes of that has been the M4. Uh, how does that look like today? Well, just to say, the M4 emerged from Norway and a ecumenical process of really church planting yeah. vision in Norway that I led for 10 years. And, and so it birthed out of Norway. So M4 is like a, a community project. Mm -hmm. And then it went now to 15 nations, around close to 400 churches has been planted the last 10 years through the M4 team training process. Because we saw mm -hmm. we don't need to only plant train the uh, kind of the church planter, but the whole team and not yeah. before they're planting the church, but when they are planting the church. Yeah. So it's in 50 nation. We have a kind of, we are moving uh, the next 18 months to see 100 new church planting planted through the M4 to summer mm -hmm. 2022. And 1000 is a part of the M4 ready, a recruitment training system that is now implemented in 10 nation of Europe. Amazing, amazing. And I mean, I, I myself and, and the team I was church planting with was part of that. And it was a very big blessing for us and a big help for us as a team. Uh, you, got the, you got an opportunity to take a step back for two days uh, and, and just think and pray and get inspiration. And it was, it was, really, it was really a blessing for us. Um, so so that's, I think that's been a crucial part of, of training for, for church planting. Um, and then... Um, I think even even you know that was that was definitely a big blessing for us. I also see that when looking back at my life, there's like there there are things I would I would have liked to known and sort of been trained in which which the M4 couldn't do. Uh, and I think it's connected with what you were sharing. Like you, you grew up in a church planting culture, and and sort of you you just it was part of your DNA. Um, and uh, I also see in my life that those that I've walked the closest with. Uh, the people that's been following me and I've been investing in the, the ones I had the closest into my life and, and not just in like theoretical training, but really close on my life and my family's life are the ones where I see the biggest growth in and I see them moving on. Uh, and I know you have taken quite a drastic step in this, not replacing the M4, but just uh, another way of training. Uh, could you say a bit about that? Yeah, I think you you uh, you are moving to discipling houses, discipleship house. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we we started the discipleship house the, one year ago, mm -hmm. and we have seven people living in the house. 
uh, five in the upper floor and a couple with a, a small kids uh, in, in the basement. And they are the neighbor house. So we are living quite close to them and in some way investing some in their life. Great, great. And, and uh, we actually have two of them with us here today to, to join this podcast. Uh, Elias and uh, Bandik, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, uh, how old are you guys? I'm 22 and yeah. I'm 19 years old. Amazing. So out of your experience from, from, the, from the last uh, year, what's the difference between living in such a discipleship house uh, and other kinds of, of experience you have of, of training? Uh, I've only lived at my parents' house before. So I, that's the only experience I've had before. Yeah. But uh, when uh, Avin uh, said to me, Elias, do you want to move into the discipleship house? I mm-hmm. said yes right away. Yeah. Because uh, what I've experienced from the last year is that uh, you have a, a home with other Christians around you uh-huh. uh, that you can share your faith with and they can relate to what you're talking about and it's also a really big relief i've felt that i can come home and there are four other guys that i live with that uh-huh. meets me with a smile and we can share uh, the gospel with each other we can pray together and we read the bible together uh, so i feel like the discipleship home has given me fuel throughout uh, the days uh, and uh, the weeks and yeah it's been a really good experience for me amazing yeah so amazing. i've been living in uh, i've been living in I, I went to bible college and lived in our house with uh, six other girls actually so uh, yeah i'm ready for marriage after that but um <laughs> we didn't get so much time to read in the bible as i wanted we didn't get so much time to pray as i wanted and wow. after Bible college, I moved into a house with four four guys, uh, and we were all Christians, but we didn't um, read so much Bible and pray so much together. Uh, so when I went to move to Christiansand, I got yeah. a house where I could uh, I could read more in the Bible. I could pray with our guys. I could reflect on questions that is hard. Uh, I could get thoughts that I didn't think about myself, uh, and that has been uh, an path for me that I've been growing as a disciple uh, I've become a better pr- Christian I believe myself I've become a better person uh, in that way uh, and feel like I'm now trained to go out and meet other people uh, with what I've learned uh, yeah. from the past eight months huh. so so what I hear is that the difference between what you're doing now and what you've done before is like you also lived with other people like as young people often do uh, beforehand but now now you're more conscious about uh, and you have a more clear vision for what what what's what should this look like uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you made some conscious uh, decisions uh, even what's been your part in that and and uh, as the as the neighbor and as as the one who wants to invest yeah I, I think my part and not my part Linda and me my wife's part absolutely yeah. I think that they can they can say that it's not yeah. really my part it's us our part yeah <laughs> absolutely and it's, it's that we create a space where we have some expectation we have expectation yeah. of rhythm of community of fellowship with each other and of serving others yeah. so 
to move into the house, there are expectation of rhythm, of community mm. and serving others. Yeah. So, um, and that's clear upfront when you move in. Yeah. And in some way, what we do as adults, we keep them a little bit accountable. Right. So we have uh, every month, we are sitting down with them and talk, how is life? How is things going? And mm. keep them accountable. Uh, not to a, like a, a super Christian kind of thing. Like <laughs> you need to be a, a really, it's more to a more everyday rhythm yeah. that they can, if possible, take with them into the normal life. So yeah. what we try to do is create a sustainable rhythm in a house that that make them work in some uh, some disciple rhythm and pulls, disciple mm. pulls into their life that could be sustainable also in the long run. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. So I think you're, you're, you're quite hands-on uh, and you're giving direction. And, and I think the fact that you actually gave a lot of clarity beforehand. So, so the guys who moved in, they knew what they were moving into. Uh, that that's I think that's that's a pretty important thing, and it uh, keeps us young, because there's it's so fun and there's amazing people to yeah. be with. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's beautiful, and and the fact that it's fun to train others in that way is 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 actually quite important. Uh, yeah, and I mean you know this is close to how life will look like when you're moving on. Uh, why why is being in a bubble of a Bible school, for example? Uh, uh, is quite different from, from what normal life would look like. Yeah, great, thank you. Um, I'm, uh, one of the things I'm involved in is, is I'm part of, uh, of the Lausanne Younger Leaders Network in Europe and team who, who's leading that. And we've realized as a leadership team of, of, the, of those young leaders that often there's a quite big gap between young uh, and older leaders in, in churches and organizations in Europe. And often that young leaders feel often alone and, uh, and they're struggling and they don't know where to go. And we found that the, the reason for it is more a misunderstanding than, than people don't wanting. Uh, and often that the, the younger generation thinks that the older ones are too busy. Uh, they don't have time for them. And uh, the older generation often tends to think that the young, uh, we are not relevant for, for the young ones. Uh, they, they, they're not interested in us and, and, our, and our experience. Um, Elias and Bendik, uh, to start with you, is the older generation relevant to you? And if so, in, in what way? So absolutely. Uh, I've grown up in his church, been in this mm. church my whole uh, 19-year-old life. Yeah. Uh, and from I was a little kid uh, to where I'm now, uh, the elder generation has encouraged me on my way with Christ. Beautiful. They have uh, prayed for me. Uh, and uh, walked with me through uh, the services and other things we were doing in the church. And they served us by being leaders at our uh, groups when we were younger, like we have saying uh, in-betweeners when you're Uh Uh before the youth uh, age. Uh, They were in our groups and really saw us and saw potential in us. Uh, and uh, I think uh, it was uh, like uh, two years ago, we were at this trip with the whole church. Yep. And uh, I was leader of the youth group. And mm-hmm. uh, we had set up this meeting where uh, two from the older generation were talking to a group of younger uh, youth. And they could share their experience with Christ. And 
the youth can sh- could share back their experience mm. and it was an amazing uh, experience to see mm. what we could share with each other and uh, uh, how they have lived in their time as a youth and how we are living now mm. uh, to give each other advice uh, throughout uh, the days we are living uh, so I think uh, mixing the youth with the, the older generation is so important mm. in the church and uh, in general in life yeah great and i love that you know this is this is not just when you were 12 or 14 mm. that you wanted the older generation but you still wanted when you're 19 and probably when you're 30 as well uh, yes. yeah it, it doesn't stop thank you yeah yeah i i think they have a lot of experience that we don't have because they have taken so many steps with christ uh, over uh, maybe 10 20 30 40 50 years and that is making me interested in knowing what they have experienced to grow um, myself. And when I lived in Trondheim, I had a mentor uh, and he was 70 uh, and retired. Um, He was a doctor before he retired. Um, And he grew up in a non-Christian family, Mm. uh, but met God and Christ uh, when he um, was studying in Austria. After that, he went to Asia, uh, preaching about God, giving the gospel out to a lot of people. And for me, that is uh, some experience I want to feel. I want to um, know what he has been experiencing through so many years. Um, And he was praying for me. I know he's still praying for me. He's sending me uh, text messages uh, still and uh, wants to know how I am. And for me, that is... Uh, a way that I know that the older generation is so important for me as a 22-year-old guy uh, to, yeah, it's so good mm. to know the older generation in mm. that path. Yeah. So, so the key here is that he was, he's basically interested in you and your life. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Beautiful. I think that's, that's an encouragement for me as well as, as someone who's in between the young and the older generation, probably, you know, that, yeah, I, I would like to be uh, to be interested in, in the young people and, and what's going on in their life. Thank you. Uh, even I know that you're, you're a busy man. You are an activist, you said, so you have a lot of things going on. But still, you're not too busy to start a discipleship house next door. Uh, what convinced you that that's worth the time? Because it, it takes time from your busy schedule. So uh, I, I have an idealistic view of things, some things. I say, what you <laughs> going to model in your nation, you have to do locally. Yeah. And what you're going to model in Europe, you have to do in your nation. And I believe many are withdrawing from the real life. So for me, it's I have to be local and involved in discipleship, involved in doing church and doing church plant. If mm-hmm. I should have a voice in European context, talking about something I don't do is difficult. I have yeah. to do it. Yeah. So it's kind of... I, I, I want to be in the real life. And again, a discipleship is not my thing. It's our thing. It's Linda and me. It's our sure. family. Yeah. <laughs> Important to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know from, from my marriage <laughs> that, that my wife is, is so instrumental in, in building trust and relationship. Yeah, beautiful. But honestly, I think we need some reverse mentoring. I yeah. think the young generation can mentor us a lot. And, mm. and they don't maybe understand this but it's very a little bit selfish also to be with them because i learned too much i learned so much myself 
<laughs> amazing, amazing. You know, uh, thank you guys. I think this is this is something for all of us in Europe to thank with us. Uh, let's let's work close as, as as generations, and and uh, yeah, let's not let this gap grow, but let's 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 do something to to take it away. I think it, I think it's also important to say that we are a generational church. So we believe yeah. that God works through generations. So he's, he, he's Abraham, uh, Isaac and Jacob's God. He's three-generational God. Yeah. So we need to always work in generation. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Elias and Bendik, uh, a last question to you guys. Um, um, do you see yourself involved in, in, in church planting in the years to come? I mean, it's hard not to when your boss is Ovin Oglan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's allowed to say. No, but uh, I think uh, when we live in a discipleship home where we can share our thoughts and share our share the gospel and mm. with each other, and we have Oivind and Linda who has experienced uh, all of this church planting and uh, and with them for, uh, yeah. I think it's really inspiring us as well to look for look forward and see what God can do in our lives and uh, what. Uh, what use God has in us because God has created us with a plan. Uh, And uh, Oivind and Linda, they uh, inspire that in us to look what God has uh, put in us. Uh, So I think uh, if that's God's plan, uh, God's plan for us, uh, then that's God's plan for us. And uh, we will listen to God. Amazing. I really hope so. I really hope I can be a part of a church planting because I'm blessed with having Eivind as my pastor, my boss, my neighbor. Mm. Uh, and I remember myself as a 15-year-old go- boy. Uh, I was uh, looking at Eivind's uh, videos of church planting. And six years later, I'm going here and work in his church. Um, yeah. yeah. And he is an elite in church planting. He he has so much experience with it and I really hope I can uh, be a part of his team in the next church planting here in Norway uh, because I hope that's God's plan for me uh, to be involved in that. Yeah. I would love to plant a new church. That's uh, that's (laughs) a place to be. I trust you would. (laughs) Amazing. You know, it's it's been really encouraging to have this talk and and I see that um, the key word here is a culture. Uh, that from long time ago there's been a culture for church planting uh, and a passion that's been uh, taken care of that it's not dying this we want to reach more people uh, which is the key behind the church planting it's not just planting an institution it's it's, it's, it's you, you don't want to reach people and and um, yeah so I think um, my prayer as I'm listening is is I want to see this culture uh, all over Europe uh, that there's a culture in each church we want to reach further. We want to plant more churches and, and that as people are in discipleship houses and in mentorings and they will, they will learn and grow in this. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Elias and uh, Bendik <laughs> will uh, allow you to, to move on. And uh, before we end the podcast, even I have some questions for you, more general questions about uh, church planting. Um, uh, first one is, is how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted the church planting uh, movement in Europe? You know, I don't think anyone have overview of that question. Yeah. I think it will it will affect the church quite dramatically. Mm. The good thing with church planting, often they are small. 
So, so even yeah. if you are small, and often you start always with small group and multiplying small group. So many of the church plant just continue to be who they are. Mm. Small groups of people meeting together. Yeah. And I think that's the strength. Some church plants have been more fine ways of, of doing kind of more connect with people in a digital world and, and see people come to faith through that. Uh, I see like with the M4, some of the process we have pushed, uh, postponed a little bit to start with new churches. But in Czech, they start in the middle of the COVID now with nine new church plants within the M4. Amazing. In Ukraine, they're starting with 10 new church plants within the M4 two weeks from now or one week yeah. from now. So a lot of the training have been online because they can meet off, uh, offline with the small teams. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think church planning moving on mm. and probably there is, uh, because of the pandemic, there is a new openness yeah. uh, for the gospel and, and, and that as a new opportunity yeah. uh, for also church planting. Yeah, but I, and I totally agree, you know, I think this time coming now, when things open up and starts, you know, getting normal, people will have so many questions and people will long for community. So it's, it's, it's just the time to start transplanting. Yeah, but at the same time, research from Switzerland, newly researched last 14 days from Switzerland, show that probably 25% of the church who former were active in the church will not come back. Huh. So for the traditional church could lose maybe 25 of the members of the COVID. So that is also some of the research done now that we could see a shift in how we do church in Europe. Hmm. That's interesting. It, it could just, you know, long-term, that might actually be a blessing. Well, we have, for some churches, it will not be a blessing. No, but like for, for the church in general, uh, it's, it's kind of like a pruning. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole other topic. Um, uh, one more question about church planting. You know, very, gener very generally speaking, uh, you could maybe say that the harvest field in Europe uh, can be divided in three groups. One being nominal Christians, uh, and the second one being uh, secular post-Christians who've kind of totally uh, detached from church and faith, and and the third one being believers of other religions, often immigrants and descendants of immigrants. Um, and my question to you is: is among which of these groups do you see that church planting is happening the most in Europe today? Well, the most progressive church planters in Europe are the Africans and uh, people from immigrant background. Yeah. They are the most progressive church planters, more or less, in Europe. Uh, and then you have a lot in the Northern Europe, you reach kind of the fringe of people who have kind of a Christian background or some, some kind of Christian, and also in the, 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 the kind of Spanish Catholic area, yeah. because that's in the culture. Mm. But you also see churches really reaching... We, we call it sometimes conversion-based church planting. You know, you, you, you win your team for Christ before you start the church. And okay. because you are totally in either post-communistic area of Europe, mm. where, where the, there are no people who are knowing Christ when you're planting, yeah. you win your team for Christ. And mm. you see church plant that, that, that's coming from that place um, also. So... The question is where in Europe, because Europe is so diverse yeah. that it's, it's very <laughs> so fragment, uh, fragmented and, and diverse. So it's yeah. difficult to answer. But in the in the northern part and kind of uh, of Europe, 
immigrant church is quite a lot. Uh, and we're reaching the fringe, not maybe the extreme secular people mostly. Mm. And, and which one of those three groups is, is could you say, maybe it's the most challenge harvest to, to reach? Uh, it, again, it's different from place yeah. to place in Europe. It's, uh, uh, you know, I, I think um, you see also that that the, the post, post-Christian, the people who have no idea about faith, no, they have never seen a Bible, they don't know the story of Jesus, they have no clue. Mm. Often you see that this, there is a new, you can share the gospel in a new way because you have not the tradition that is a filter uh, for the gospel. Yeah. So I think there, the, the challenge is just different. Mm. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, you just spoke about uh, quite a lot about the, the culture for church planting within, within a church and within a movement. Um, what would you say to pastors, denominational leaders, leaders of organization? What role do they play in, church, in the church planting movement in, in today's Europe? You know, um, I, I, I believe um, they have to understand that church planting or multiplying and reproducing the gospel, disciples, leaders, and new churches will be the key for the future. Mm. And I think I will say, start to invest in the one. Who are your apprentices? Who do you invest in? That's the first question. Mm. Who do you invest in? And at the same time, you know, as a leaders, we need to give a visionary space where people can run mm. and give vision for church planting into your denomination. Even if you think it's, it's nearly impossible but it is possible because you have entrepreneurs, leaders that want to do it. But yeah. if you, you as a leader can either open the doors or close the doors mm-hmm. and the key denomination and national leaders can open doors or close doors. Yeah. And the people are there. The, and the, the question is uh, if the leaders open the doors or if they close the door, mm-hmm. if they gave a visionary space for multiplication and reproduction of churches within their denomination organization. Mm. Yep. But what we the one. Yep. You know, that's, I, I can see that from, from, from my life. I, there were leaders in my denomination who, 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 who cast that vision and who gave space for me to get involved in church planting um, and, uh, and invested. That's my story also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is great. And that's, that's a good encouragement and challenge for, for, for those leaders. Um, I've been involved in, in uh, two, two different church plantings, what, what one in Norway and one in, in the Czech Republic. And, uh, and the second one with my wife. And I think when looking back, I can see we have had a lot of joys um, uh, and celebrations, but we also see some quite heavy disappointments uh, uh, and feeling of, of feeling like when you're just feeling like a failure. Um, you can also see that in the Bible. Uh, lots of stories of, of from Paul's life and other people's life uh, uh, disappointments and and what would you say to those of us who who, who from time to time face discouragement and are like oh, come on and 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 some people even losing faith in church planting in Europe uh, what's your message my message to, to, to these people is relax relax you know it's not your church it's not your ministry it's God's. 
enjoy God in your personal life, live with God, be close to him. And if you lose the joy of God in your personal life, you lose the joy of God in ministry. Mm. So, you know, ministry is something we are sent to. Our calling is to be with Jesus. And yep. if you lose that relationship, you know, even everything can be hard. Life mm. can be hard. Yep. But I will say, get back to the first thing, your intimate relationship with God and really water that and be there. Then I think something will change. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what would you say is the most crucial breakthroughs needed to see the church planting movement uh, in Europe accelerating? I can, I can phrase this in different ways. Yeah. There is evangelism urgency. Hmm. You know, we need to start to believe in the gospel again. Jesus yeah. died for my sin. He stood up for my and resurrected for, for my righteousness. Like we need to preach the gospel and believe in the gospel again. Yeah. And I think that we have lost the gospel during the during the years of, of or kind of denominational, organizational, historical church. We need to start to preach the gospel again. And we need to start to make disciples. Mm. And we need to change the language of the church. You know, someone would say, those who create the language owns the paradigm. And those who owns the paradigm leads the future. And we need to change the language of the church in Europe to a place of reproduction and multiplication. We will never reach Europe the way we do church today. We need to start to reproduce the gospel, disciples, leaders, and new churches, and even networks and work, bigger works we need to come to a place where reproduction and multiplication become the norm in the language and behavior of the church in Europe. When that happens, we will see a shift. Yep. But it, it starts, we, we believe in, the, it, there is a kind of a gospel urgency, a evangelistic urgency, and we understand that we need to disciple people. Yeah, I, I hear talking again about culture. You, you need to change the culture and to see uh, um, a culture which is um, believing and preaching the gospel and, and, and seeing, you know, multiplication as, as the normal thing. Hmm. Great. Yes. Okay. Start with the one. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a lot of, of, uh, of good inputs and a lot of challenging thoughts. And uh, my prayer and my challenge to all of you guys who are listening and who's working on this is to take with you all you heard today and bring it on and look, how do we see this culture emerging and flourishing in our country, in our church, in our denomination, in our lives. Okay. Thank you, Avon. Uh, be blessed, everybody. It comes more natural to us to shout the gospel at people from a distance than to involve ourselves deeply in their lives, to think ourselves into their problems and into their culture and to feel with them in their pains.